0: Bless the Lord. Wow, wow. Hadn't been good to be in God's house tonight. John, very quickly, John chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. Very rarely does a pastor ask me for a specific message, but uh, he thought this message would be an encouragement to you. Those of you that were at the summit in New Jersey, he heard this message, and matter of fact, I didn't even know if I confirmed with you that I'm preaching this one. But uh, he said, "If the Lord lays it on your heart, and uh, I believe in pastoral leadership, I believe if God lays it on His heart, it's now laid on my heart." And so I appreciate that. And uh, we, I'm joking when I say that he would, he wouldn't have any qualms. I don't think about me following the direction of the Lord. But when he said that, I thought, you know what? I, earlier this week, I thought I should preach that, but I was like, you know what? So many people were at the summit. And so I believe if two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done. And so when God lays it on my heart earlier in the week and then yours, I just took it as a sign from the Lord. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. Can I say, you know, we we would love to give you, us three would love to give you a standing ovation for how you all have been friends to us and uh, you've been so kind to us. You've encouraged us with your music and uh, with every little part that goes on here. Some of you don't really know Sometimes what goes into a revival meeting like this and, and uh, everything from sound and uh, you folks in the sound booth and in the video booth, thank you all. Um, we, we definitely get to see Brother Rob, of course, but we don't get to see the fellas that are behind the scene uh, doing all of the videography. And I think that's on purpose because, you know, I peeked in there and I didn't really want to see their faces either. So. <laughs> but uh, thank you, gentlemen, for what you do. Uh, those that even just get the microphones ready and get them hooked up. Uh, from leading the choir, thank you. Isn't it a blessing always to see Mrs. Baker leading the choir? And uh, we we are big on consistency at our church. Now watch this. The men in our church. How long have you been in our church? Is sixteen years? No, nineteen years. Good night. It's felt like eternity though. But uh, but Jason's been in our church for nineteen years. I've been in our church for thirty years. I'm started, I just started my twentieth year of ministry. Uh, Last year, this summer, I will start my 21st year of ministry. And in case you didn't notice, Brother Jeff has been there 35 years in the same church. And uh, we are big on faithfulness. And so it encourages us to come back here and to see. I love it because church people are creatures of habit. And you generally stay in your same areas year after year. I I don't know what I'm going to do one day if I come in here and Brother Stone's not over there in that corner seat over there. I mean, it's just automatic, and your mama's always back, right in that row, and our uh, dear husband. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it just—it just—it's automatic. I love seeing it, and uh, when we used to see her still leading the choir and uh, still excited about it, I love it. And uh, the ensemble just uber consistent, and what a blessing it is, and to see you, church members, in your spot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. And thank you, those of us that have, of course, the Vogels that have hosted us all week long. And we have kept them up way past their bedtime every night. And uh, I think they're drinking cups of coffee right now in the back or they got an IV hooked up. OK, but uh, thank you, Brother, Brother Ray and Miss Lorraine, for all of your help. And every time we come here, I always say, where's my room? And I have stayed in that same room every time. And they, they, before they put a label on the door. And it said Brother Calvin, and, but uh, my gift basket that said Brother Calvin this time through, and so we appreciate that. If you have cooked for us, thank you. There ought to be a trophy in heaven for everybody that made cheesecake Sunday night. I'm just saying. But thank you all for being a blessing to us. And we are headed on the road tonight after this service, so pray for us, Please. I don't take that lightly. I could go into stories about how God has spared my life and my family's lives. I had one time, and I won't even go into the story for sake of time. I had a time where a car almost hit us head on. It was going the wrong way on the interstate. And we were about an hour from our house, and my whole family was in the car with me. And they were headed the wrong way down the interstate. And that's one of my greatest fears, by the way, is a wrong way a drunk driver. And, uh, and I looked, I, I'm like, there's no way. Everybody else is asleep. And I jerked the wheel out of the way at a semi truck behind me. He had to move over, and uh, and I grabbed my phone to call 911. And when I grabbed my phone to dial 911, and I wanted to remember what time it was, and it was 1:32, 1:33 in the morning. When when that happened, you say, how do you remember that? I remember that because when I picked up my phone and a text came through from the pastor whose church I just left that said, I just got off my knees praying for you right now. When you tell me you're going to pray for me, can I say this? You better be praying for me. You have no idea what that might mean to me or to my family on the road. And so thank you in advance for praying for us. And uh, I am so encouraged. My how the Lord has just worked this week he always seems to work in a unique way every year, doesn't he? I want you to take this look at this scripture with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you most of all, Pastor and Mrs. Ferry for hosting us. Did you get your fire fries? Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. You did share them. Okay. So now I'm able to insult the cat one more time. No. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't press my luck on that one there. But uh, thank you so much, and you all have just been a dear friend to us, and, and I've tried to express in other ways how much you have meant to me over the years, and, and uh, what, how and my sister's home going, uh, how you blessed me, just being a friend there to me. I will never forget that, Pastor Fury, and um, I owe you a debt that I can never pay, and God bless you for that, and I do pray God will bless you for that, for what you've done to me. Let's take our Bibles tonight, Luke chapter 5. My heart is always full when I come to the end of a revival meeting like this. and uh, You don't understand this if you don't preach, but your soul, part of your soul pours out. At least I, I, I feel that way. Part of your soul just, if you're preaching and the Spirit of God is working and you truly love people, Part of your soul is given to that people and and listen, time is our life and, and we have given part of our lives here this week to try to be a blessing to you that maybe God will speak to your heart, that maybe God will save your soul for some of you, that maybe God will draw you back to himself. That maybe God would have led me to say something that would be a help to your marriage or to your parenting or to your to your life at, as, at large, and that 's what my prayer is and, and I, I pour myself as you can tell, I pour myself into what I do because I believe it, and I believe god's word can change lives and so that 's why we preach the way that we do and, and so we just I, I love this church, I guarantee if if something were to happen, if my church were to fall off the face of the earth, there are two churches that I would go to, and this is one of those two churches. Just uh, You all have kind of adopted me. I think we ought to vote me in as an honorary member. I need a motion. To, no, i was kidding. <laughs> Luke chapter 5. I want to be very quickly and concise here tonight. Verse number 4 says, Now when he left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught. Simon answering, said unto him, Master, here's our sermon tonight. We have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight from the Holy Scriptures. Illuminate this entire passage that we'll look through and study in a moment here. Lord, there may be some people here tonight that feel like they've been toiling for so long and it's just never happened. They've been waiting on you and you've not shown up. They're like Mary Martha with their brother saying, you're four days late and it seems past hope. Father, I pray that you'd help me to be an encouragement but a challenge tonight. Bless us. We sure do need you. If there is one lost person, Lord, that is sitting under the sound of my voice, I pray that even now you would convict them of their sin because they believe not on Jesus. I pray that you would approve us of righteousness because you go to the Father and of judgment because the prince of this world will one day be judged. Please help us tonight. We, we need you. Oh, the arm of flesh has failed me and it will fail me tonight if I depend on it. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. My guess is if you've been a Christian for any, any length of time, any measurement of time tonight, you've been in a place like verse number four and five. We've toiled all night. We don't feel like we've caught anything. You might be a parent here tonight and you've got a son or a daughter that's away from the Lord and you feel like you've toiled all night and just seems like you've caught nothing. You may be a young person here tonight and you've witnessed to your mother and father and, and time after time after time they've rejected you or an aunt or an uncle who doesn't know the Lord. I remember praying for my Aunt Carmen year after year after year after year from 1993 when I got saved. She lived with us as a matter of fact at the time. And every time I would bring up Jesus, she would say, don't you talk to me about that a few cuss words, blankety-blanket religion. And from 1993, for seven years, we prayed for her to come to Christ. And every single time I brought up the gospel, he say, what did that feel like, Brother Allen? It felt like I was toiling all night. And caught nothing. And on my birthday, June 16th, 2000, she had been diagnosed with cancer of the esophagus. One of the men of our church went over to witness to her. And uh, Brother Mark, seven-footer, went over to witness to her because his kids were in his Sunday school class at the time. She said, oh, no. And he was telling me this. I thought, no, she's going to reject again. But he said, there's more. He said, no. She didn't want to get saved right there. She said, can you send my nephew by again to tell me again? And I knelt beside her bed that day and took my Bible and showed her how to be saved. And with tears streaming down her face, Only 90 some pounds because of cancer, she got born again by the grace of God. But I'm talking to some people tonight that it's not only been seven years, maybe it's been 18 years, maybe it's been 20 years, 25 years. You've been praying for that husband or you've been praying for that wife or that aunt or that uncle, and it feels like you've been toiling all night, but you've caught nothing. Maybe there's a person in here and there's somebody in your life beside, maybe it's a husband or a wife that's awayward from the Lord and, and it seems like you've been toiling all night and nothing's going to happen and will they ever come back to church? Will they ever get right with the Lord? Can I tell you tonight, the disciples know what it's like to toil all night and catch nothing. Maybe there's a Sunday school teacher and you've taught Sunday school for year after year after year after year. And those that you taught, they seem to go through your fingers and nobody seems to stick. And you've been doing it for decade after decade after year after year. And it seems like you've been toiling all this work. And where are they? Where's the harvest? You've never seen it. There may be a bus captain in here tonight. How many bus kids, Brother Jeff, have we gone through at our church? It's just its just astronomical. I don't know if it's a half a million at this point. It's probably more than that. I know years ago we kind of tried to tabulate it, and it was just in the hundreds of thousands of people. We've had high days of, of over 1,100 on our buses at one time. It's just nuts. And you think about those kids that have gone through there, and I know they have a few, me and some others that are in our church, and some ended up being bus captains themselves and so forth, and some are still in our church to this day and raising their families for the Lord. And, and But I'm telling you today, if we look at it, sometimes it feels like we're toiling all night and we've caught nothing. And sometimes you go to preach revivals and you go to try to fill in for churches. You're trying to give your heart to people and sometimes you just have what we call a dry spell and it seems like you're preaching, you're preaching. Nobody's walking the aisle and nobody's getting saved and nobody's getting baptized and nobody's asking you to preach and nobody's calling on you to sing and it seems like your ministry might be done because it seems like you've been toiling all night. You know how it is. If you're a soul winner here tonight, you just get those dry spells and nobody wants to talk to you and it seems like every door is getting slammed in your face. You feel like you're toiling all night and you've caught nothing. I want you to notice some things in this passage here and Then I'm going to share something with you that most of you have never heard before. You see, in this passage, they are at the lake of Gennesaret, what is, we know it as the Sea of Galilee. It's known by Tiberius Galilee. There's, there's, there's a couple different names that it's known as, and different parts of there are known as different things. But they are out there, and Jesus has entered into, the Bible says, uh, he entered in, there were two ships. Look at, look at verse number one. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him uh, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were going out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he, being Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. We know who that is. It's Peter. And he prayed him that he would thrust out from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And the Bible says, listen, he begins to reason with the disciples. And they say, Jesus, you don't understand. Because here's what he tells them. Verse number four, he said, cast your nets for a draught. Now watch this. The disciple said, "We have toiled all what? Night. Night, which means, "What is it right now? It's day. Any fisherman will tell you the best time to catch fish is not in the middle of the day. The best time to catch fish is either at night, uh, sometimes in the third watch of the night or in those early morning hours. But here the multitude of people are following him and he says, "Listen, cast your net." And they're like, "Listen, this is not the time. We've already been toiling all night. Uh we're not going to cast out here." And can I say to you tonight, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. If Jesus tells you to cast down the net, just go ahead and cast down the net. You say, it doesn't make sense to me. And this seems like a problem here. I and mean, I'm telling you tonight, listen, if Jesus says it, don't question, just obey the Lord. And they said, nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down that net again. We haven't caught anything yet, but I want you to, we'll obey you and see what happens. Here's what happened very quickly. I don't have time to develop this entire message, but watch this. I'm going to give my points very quickly here. I'm going to bring it all together. I want you to notice when they let the net down, their profits changed. Here they were. They had caught nothing. and But the Bible says in verse number six, when they had done this, when they obeyed God, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and so many so what happened. Their nets break. Can I tell you tonight, if you've been seeking the Lord and if you'll just be faithful to him and you'll keep preaching and you'll keep teaching and you'll keep coming to church and you'll keep winning souls and you keep witnessing to the folks, there's gonna come a day. Well, listen, the harvest is going to come and I promise you, if you'll keep casting the net, God's going to fill your nets one of these days. Their profits changed when they obeyed the Lord. Look at this. Their partnership changed. Oh, the Bible says this. They beckoned unto their partners in verse number seven, which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships. So that they begin to sing, hey, aren't you glad when you obey the Lord and God begins to bless your life? Listen, sometimes God blesses your blesser so good, you got to bring in somebody else to handle the blessing that God gave you. And I'm telling you tonight, the reason why some of us haven't seen the blessing of God in our lives, we've never learned to obey. We've never learned to go on even at times where it seems like it's the midnight hour and we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. And he says, keep on casting and keep on casting and keep on casting. But we get weary and well-doing. But the Bible says, uh, if we're not weary and well-doing, what's going to happen? We shall reap if we faint not. God sometimes will give you so many blessings. Hey, he said he's going to give you blessings where you won't even have room enough to receive it. And some of us, because of our doubt and our lack of obedience, God could have gave you a blessing. Listen to me tonight. What if somebody in your house were to get right with God tonight? What if somebody in your house said, I don't care if I got to toil all night, if I got to wake up early, if I've got to stay up late. We want the power of God in our lives. We want revival in our house. Can I tell you, big daddy, if you'll get revival in your house, what will happen is we'll have so much revival going on. You'll have to bring somebody else in to take care of the fish that God's blessing you with. Add new partnership. They had a new perspective. Watch this. Verse number 8, Simon Peter, he sees what's going on, and the Bible says he immediately cries out and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When God began to bless those that toiled all night, here's what happened. Oh, you get, a, you get an interesting perspective of yourself. You realize that he's the one doing it. It's not you. You realize that it is the Lord that is doing it, and it's not you. Listen to me tonight. A, the true mark of revival is a spirit of repentance and humility, the The true mark of revival is not your name being known. It's the name of Jesus being lifted up. The true mark of revival is not everybody thinking you're a great preacher or you're a great singer. The true mark of revival is that we walk out of here tonight saying, what a great God. Why? Because when you experience that after toiling all night, you'll see your Lord differently than you've ever seen them before. And you'll see yourself for what you are. Oh, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fear within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. We've got to come as a worm. See, their perspective changed. I want you to notice their purpose changed. Their purpose changed. Jesus said here on out, he said in verse number 10, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He said, listen, your purpose is going to change when God shows up. Hello, some of you are waiting on God to show up. He's going to send that magic spoofful dust revival. Listen to me. The reason why some of us don't see it is because if he did show up, our plans would never change. Our purpose would never change. And so why should he show up? Why should God send revival if all we're going to do is sit on our duff in here? Why should God send revival? Listen to me today. I don't generally charge devices that I'm not planning on using. Can we say that again tonight? My phone's down here. My iPad is down here. Guess what I did before I came here tonight to sing and to preach and to minister to you? We plugged these dudes in. Why? Because we planned on using them. Listen to me tonight. If you don't plan on your purpose changing, why should God ever send revival to you? But what if we just say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever purpose you have for our lives, God, change us. God, make us to have your purpose in our lives. Show us your purpose. And it's that we catch men. Listen to me tonight. God is not trying to fill you with revival so we can walk around like a bunch of pious Pharisees tonight. God wants to fill you and God wants to revive you because there's a city called Simcoe. There's a county, an area called Norfolk. There's a province called Ontario. There's a nation called Canada. It's not about you. God wants to fill you with the blessed Holy Ghost. He wants to revive you here tonight you say we haven't seen it yet and maybe you haven't seen it yet because it's all about you and if we'd ever get your eyes off yourself and get it on Jesus we would see the harvest and we would understand that his will is for us to catch men God is into filling vessels but vessels are made to be poured out over and over again they're not made so you can put a cap on it and save it for 25 years until you go home to be with the Lord. If God is going to fill you and if God is going to thrill you and if God is going to do something that is so sacred in your heart that you can't even describe what it is, it's going to be because he has a purpose for your life and it's the souls of man and it's the influence of people uh, that have the word of God in their soul and God could change lives through you. If you would understand, the reason why you're toiling all night is because he's about to show up and change your purpose. And when you change your purpose, here's what happens. Lastly, their plans changed after he showed up. All the plans changed. You watched, you listened to that book, that Bible, there, here's what it says. The scripture says they began to put their ship on the shore and they, they came up to the shore and the Bible says they forsook all. Look at what your Bible says, verse number 11. And when they brought their ships to the land, they forsook all. Their plans changed after their purpose changed. And maybe God tonight is moving on some of you to forsake all. But it happened after they toiled all night and caught nothing. Your pastor invited us. As a matter of fact, I was, I was just making preparations to go into evangelism. And I have the email. I still have that email that you sent us. I can't remember who you sent it to, maybe the church or to my email at the church. But it said, it said Pastor Allen. And I was like, how in the world do I say his last name? Furry, Furry, Ferrari. fear i thought it was fear when i first i said okay maybe the e is silent it's just pastor fear but i answered his email and he said i'd love to have a singing group come in for a revival meeting and we began to communicate back and forth and then he said this he said he said do one of you guys preach and i said yes i'm an evangelist actually and he said oh this is wonderful come and preach and I was like, amen. And then I get here, and, he, and he's, I, I said this the other night. He's introducing me, and he said, Brother Calvin Allen's getting ready to come and preach right now. He said, how long have you been in evangelism? And I said, two weeks. <laughs> and I'm talking about fear came upon him right at that time. I could see him, well, amen. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, come preach. And I bless the Lord. He even took a chance on really me preaching here. This really probably shouldn't have even happened. I began to preach and God began to work and God began to move. And, and then he made the horrible mistake of saying, can you guys come back next year? And I thought, he's a glutton for punishment. We came back that next year. I began to preach Sunday morning. And then I preached Sunday night. And then I woke up Monday morning. This would have been 2017. I woke up Monday morning, and I went to Brother Jake, who was, who was here at the time, and him and I were sharing a room, and, and when I woke up that morning, I read my Bible, and I, and I just felt a heaviness in my spirit, and I said, Brother Jake, God wants to do something very special here, and I don't want to get it in the way, and I said, you need to pray And I said, as a matter of fact, I said, you need to go tell those other two men in the next room over. I said, they need to pray. I said, I don't know what God wants to do, but you need to get get to let got to pray and help me not to get in the way. And we began to pray. And I don't remember if I told you that throughout the day. I might have mentioned it to you. And I said, I I think I know what God wants me to preach, but I I, I just don't want to get in the way. And we went throughout the day, we did our things here and there, and then came Sunday service, or that, that Monday night service. And I preached a message I'd never preached, and I've only preached it two times, to my knowledge. I think I've only preached it twice. The other time I preached it, it broke out. I was at a pastor's fellowship meeting. I preached the message, and the person it got on so much in there, we had to break up that meeting. The fellow was supposed to preach behind me. Nothing happened. We we couldn't. The pastor couldn't even speak after we were done preaching, and there was just a holy hush that fell in that building, and a prayer meeting broke out all over that building. But I would never preached this message before. And so I get up that night, I preached on Samson, how he went out as he did before. And he knew not that the Lord had departed from him. And I said, oh, we, I don't ever want to get to the place where God departs from my ministry, from my preaching and my singing, and I don't even notice it. Yeah. God began to move, and I, I thought God was going to do something special in my eyes. And isn't it just like God, when we try to tell him what to do, when to do, and how to do it, that he just says, "Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to do it my way. And I preached that night, and back then there was very few that used the altar. And that was something we had to get used to because, you know, in our church, it's it's just a common thing. And it's just not a common thing somewhere in the world, other places. But that night we had, you know, probably... 10, 11 people come to the altar. It was good. We had several people talk to me out by the table here and was with tears in their eyes, they talked to us about what God was doing in their heart. But to be honest with you, I walked out, Brother Jake, and this is the part of it some of you have never heard before. I walked outside and I said to Brother Jake, I said, I think I failed. I think I failed God. And he just kind of, I don't know what to tell you. And I said, God wanted to do something, and I think I might have got in the way. I, I think I failed the Lord. We began to talk with each other a little bit, and everybody went out of the building, and we went to Tim's late at night. We got a little bit of snack and a little bit of coffee and talked a little bit with a preacher, and then we went back to our hotel. Right down the road here. We're getting dressed for bed, and I said, Man, Jake, I said, I think God wanted to do something. I think God wanted to do something big and I, and I think I got in the way. Maybe there was some sin in my life that I didn't confess. Maybe there's somebody I got bitterness. I don't know what it is. Maybe I preached the wrong message. Maybe maybe he wanted me to preach on this and I preached the wrong message it could have helped his people. What was I saying? I was saying I've been toiling all night and I've caught nothing. We went to laying in bed and on our phones and different things and I got up to do something and our phone rang and I thought, okay, you know, who's calling us in our room right now? And then Brother Jake answered the phone and he said, oh, he's right here. And then I thought, well, who's calling me? There's only a few people that know I'm in Canada and even less people that know where I am, let alone what hotel I'm in in the room. And then I thought, well, something's wrong. And I answered the phone, and Pastor Fury, and he said, hey, he said, uh, my, my son Austin wants to talk to you. And my thought was, oh, wonderful. I'm preaching chapel tomorrow morning. Oh, no, I, first I said, okay, put him on the phone. And he said, well, no, he wants to talk to you in person. And I'm like. Okay, wonderful. I'm preaching chapel in the morning. I was going to go in by myself. he's going to pick me up and preach chapel. And I said, wonderful. I'll be. He said, no, no, no. He wants to talk to you right now. And I'm thinking, I'm in my pajamas already. And I said, well, do you want me to come there or do you want him to come here? And he said, he's on his way. And here's what I said. We started to get dressed again. And I said, Jake, I said, I want you to go next door and I want you to tell those men to start praying. I believe he needs to get saved. I want you to go have those men start praying right now. And he went over there and let those men know that he was coming and not too long he knocked on our room. We had our conversation, and he's like, he's telling me all of my messages I'd preached the year before. And he said, then something would happen here, but then it would just go back to normal. And then something would happen here, it would go back to normal. And then something would happen here, then nothing. And then something would happen here, and some little spark, but then nothing. And, and I'm like, did you come here to review my messages? Because it's midnight. And I don't know if you can tell, but I need beauty sleep and a lot of it. <laughs> you too. No. <laughs> and, uh, but all of a sudden... His head bowed and he said, I don't think I'm saved. You got to understand, I deal with a lot of young people that deal with doubts in their heart and they're not saved and said, I don't think I'm saved. And I always ask, why do you think you're not saved? Here's what his testimony. He said. I, he said I went to my mom and dad's room when I was a young boy, and he said I went in there and we went through everything. And he said I prayed because I knew there needed to be something. I wanted a quick solution and a fix to the conviction. By the way, listen to me tonight. Don't you don't you have a false sense of peace because you need to get rid of that conviction feeling. You make sure that you know that you know that you've been born again. Yeah, that's it. Amen. You make sure you did what the Bible told you to do, and that's put your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Amen. I began to go over the verse with him, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I gave him some other verses. We went through verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And about 1240 at night, I said, according to all of these verses, are you saved or are you lost? Not according to you, not according to how you feel, not according to whether you said all the right words. I said, according to the scripture, are you saved or are you lost? And he said, I'm lost. And I said, you've told other people how to be saved. You know how to talk to God. I said, you can get on your knees right now and you can call on Jesus. I said, I could help you, but I I think, I think you don't need that much help. I think you could talk to him. He began to get on his knees and not a not a hyper emotional young man. You know, he's almost a matter of fact about him a lot of times. And he got on his knees and he said, dear Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden that voice begins to quiver and a little tears began to stream down his face. And he began to call in the name of Jesus and he got saved, and He got up and hugged me and. Got a hold of brother Jake, and we said he said he, we went out in the hallway and began to talk with brother Jake. I had him outside of the room; he was praying, and we went out to the hallway. And here's what he said: He said, "Brother Jake, for the first time tomorrow, I'm going to sing as a born again Christian." Amen. Amen. We began to rejoice, and I said, "God, that's what you wanted to happen. Amen. That's it. That was it." Amen. We went to bed that night. I said, "You make sure you tell your mom and dad when you get home." He got home, Pastor Fury called me, and he said, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he talked about getting me in the morning, and we got there in the morning. And we got there that morning, and he said, said, hey, he said, I want you to, he said, we need to pray. He said, said, Mackenzie ended up going home. He said, and her mom, of course, they had diagnosed you, and they'd given you, really, they put a timetable on your life at the time. And he said, it might be something with Joanne. We don't really know what happened. He said, you just need to pray. We got here, and and as we came in there, Austin came walking out of the building to meet us. And he said, Dad, did you hear about Mackenzie? And he's like, he said, said, well, yes. He said, we're going to pray. He said, no, no, no. She just went home. Her dad came to get her, and she got saved. And I thought, that's what God wanted to do two young people saved Amen. we were rejoicing we walked in the chapel I preached the message on if God condemn our if our heart condemn us God is greater than our hearts young people began to make decisions and we went out and went to the office and didn't think anything of it we got a knock on the door from one of the teachers Who I can't remember which one it was but it was a knock on the door from the teacher and it was a young man he was about nine years old or so eight or nine and he what's that? Chris Weens, y'all know who that is. And Chris came into the office there and the preacher said, hey, what's up, buddy? And he said, oh, I was in math class and blah, 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 blah. And, and pastor said, well, did you come in here to talk to us about math class? And here's how he said it. No, I came to get saved. I mean, he was like nine going on 50. I need to get saved. And we're like, okay. We'll lead him to Christ there in the office there. And I'm like, God, that's three young people. Oh, bless the Lord. We get ready to, we call the other men and tell them, hey, get ready. We're about to go to the burger barn. We got a rain check with Brother Kevin on that one, burger barn. And uh, we're supposed to go today. We got you, brother. And uh, we, we said, let's go to the burger barn. The pastor and I didn't even, we didn't even get to the door. We heard somebody coming up behind us. We heard feet rapidly coming up behind us. We both turned around at the same time. And it was a young man standing there with tears streaming down his face was Noah. Noah what? Noah Vart. And he said, I need to get saved. And I thought, hallelujah. God's doing something. We went back into the office. He got saved. We picked the men up from lunch and I said, bless the Lord. I said, this is awesome. This is what God wanted to do, Brother Jake. God has done it. came back to service that night. Austin said, can I give my testimony before we ensemble sings? He gave his testimony. They sang, I remember the song. They sang Song of Grace that night. And he said, for the first time tonight, he said, I am singing and we're all on the same team. Mm. And you know me during Song of Grace. You know what I was doing, right? Right there on the front row looking something like this right here. And I began to shout and praise God. Pastor introduced us. Y'all listening night, tonight, pastor introduced us. He said, faithmen, just come and sing. It was the last night of the revival. He said, come and sing just like we did tonight. Just sing a bunch. And I turned around to the fellas. I said, we're going to sing every song on salvation we got. And we began to sing a song after song. And about the second song, right in this section over here, Drew stood up, talked, started talking to somebody behind him, and they walked out. And I didn't think anything of it. And I think then right over here, Bethany stood up, walked out over here. About into the second song or third song, that door opened over there, and Brother Calvin Baker started coming out with one of your young men. And all the way over here, Pastor stopped the service. He said, Hold up, faith man. He said, Tell us what happened to you. And your boy came up to the pulpit. He said, I just saved. And I said, Hallelujah. There was a whole bunch over here, the family over here, that were shouting and praising God over his salvation. And I thought, Yes, Lord, this is it. And those of you that weren't here that night, listen to me, person after person after person for about 40 minutes straight, they would walk out and get saved. Miss Wanda walked the aisle that night and got saved. And others would say, hey, I almost died last year on the table a few months ago, but I got saved tonight. I right, Listen, person after person, we baptized seven of them that night. Matter of fact, Miss Amanda Baker, she said, you know what? She said, after I got saved, I didn't get baptized and she took Bethany home to get clothes and she said I'm going home to get clothes we baptized seven people that night we baptized another seven of them that Sunday night I'm telling you tonight sometimes it seems like we toil all night and we failed God but if you'll just obey him he'll send revival oh that's not all there were people through the night calling getting saved We got to next. The next day, we were judging a Christian school convention. We're almost done tonight. We were judging a Christian school convention, and Pastor texted me, and he said, "Hey, pray for Miss Natasha." He said she just texted me. She was on her way home. She was on her way to work, and she turned around. She said, "I can't handle this anymore." And she came to the church, and glory be to Jesus, got born again by the grace of God. The young men began to share their testimonies during the teen night, whatever that, that is that you have. And uh, you had the kids that come in during the week there, and the teens began to share their testimonies. And all of a sudden, this teen would say, I need to get saved. And that teen would say, I need to get saved. Listen to me, when it was all said and done, your pastor said to me, there were over 33 members added to the church because of that night, listen, where I failed God. And there are times in your life that you are looking at things happen. You're saying, God, we haven't seen it yet. It's been a couple years. We haven't had a night like that yet. Don't you know that God can? And it may not happen exactly like that. But don't you know he can show up when he wants to? He can flex his muscle when he wants to. Don't you know this? I've, I've been in meetings where I saw I was in a revival one time that got extended. I was in a revival. meeting. The other preacher and I were kind of trading off preaching and I was singing most of that meeting. His wife sang a little bit as well. And the last night he, pre- he said, God's told me to preach on this. He got up and he preached on tithing. And I'm thinking that doesn't go well with revival. I'm not again. I'm for it. But I thought, this dude is preaching on tithing to end a revival. Have you lost your marbles? He preached on tithing that night, Brother Fabio. And two young ladies walked down and surrendered to the mission field. You know why? Because God doesn't need my preaching. He doesn't need my sermon. He doesn't need my ideas of what revival ought to do. He doesn't need my little songs. He doesn't need my little outline. What He needs is a servant that is willing to say, Yes, we have toiled all night and it seems like there's nothing going on, but nevertheless, at Thy word, I'm going to launch out again. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to seek revival again. I'm going to read my Bible again. I'm going to preach another meeting at a church. I'm going to run another service here. I'm going to run that bus route one more week. I'm going to witness to that next person. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to sing that choir song. Why? Because at thy word, and all of a sudden, God's going to start pouring out a blessing on Bethel Baptist Church that you won't even have room enough to receive it. But God needs somebody tonight that is here, that is toiling all night right now, that says, Les, pray for that wayward loved one again. Pray for that lost young person again. Pray for that marriage again. uh, Pray for that Sunday school class again uh, Because it may be That he shows up And we got to call Somebody else over here Hey there's so many people getting baptized We need some more robes there's so many preacher boys on here. we gotta, we got to divide them up and send them other places. Hey, there's so much money coming in for missions. we got to find missionaries to come and give money to. Hey, there's so much of the presence of God over here. we got to cut the songs down because people are just responding and the Spirit of God is just moving. Wouldn't you like to see that tonight? Wouldn't you like to see the presence of God fall on this nation again? Wouldn't you like the presence of God in your home? Wouldn't you like to see God bring a harvest to you again? It'll happen because You've not seen it, and you've not seen it, and you think you might even have failed God. But just keep on throwing that net. Yes, That's my challenge to you tonight. Keep on throwing that net. Haven't seen it yet? Don't worry about it. Keep on throwing that net. The child, the prodigal hasn't come home yet. Listen to me. Keep on casting that net. I know, I know you've been toiling a while. I know it seems like nothing. And by the way. The the, the meeting I was in when my sister passed away, unreal what was happening in that meeting. I'm talking about I preached the first night. I got up to sing a song. Listen to me. All I did, I did just like I did the other night here. I got off of the piano and God just said, sing some songs about the cross. I started singing songs about the cross. I had never preached. I didn't even say open your Bible. And seven young people walked down the aisle and got saved. Seven more came during the invitation and got saved. God doesn't need me. I need him. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do we understand that tonight? God doesn't need your net. The fish are already there. He's just wanting to know, are you willing to throw the net out because he's already got the fish to fill it? Amen. People, we, had a, we had an invitation Tuesday night. We spent over an hour and a half young people pouring their hearts out to God. Meeting with each other all over that camp. I'm telling you, it was on like Donkey Kong. You know God can do it again. I preached two months later. I preached an hour away from there. Every service. All I, all I, they sang this song, uh, that was before Jesus stepped in. And I just sat down and I said, y'all going to sing that again because God doesn't want me to preach it yet. We began to pray. Listen, over an hour later, we had 14 people walk the aisle to get saved. He doesn't need me only thing he needs me to do is cast that net. Can I draw attention to one more scripture we're done. You remember when after the crucifixion, Jesus has died. They're all in a state of depression. They're sad. Their Messiah has been taken. And now many of them believe that his body was stolen. And they're like, man, this is... A... And Peter said, I go a fishing. Remember that? He wasn't just saying, I'm going to put a line in the... He went back and he got out of another boat and nets. He was saying, I'm going back because I have toiled and I've caught nothing. Jesus is gone. It's all for naught. And then somebody appeared on that shore. Do you want to know what he said to them again? Hey, you catch anything? No. Here's what you do. See if this sounds familiar. Cast your net on the other side they cast therefore John chapter 19 they cast therefore and were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish and you know what peter says the same exact thing that he does in Luke chapter 5 lord don't look at me right now he throws himself into the water cuz he's fishing naked and you know what you know what john says it's don't you know it's the lord You know what they said? What are we doing now? What are we going to do? You know what Jesus told them? The same thing he told them in Matthew 5. You're going to be fishers of men. And maybe this revival tonight is God reminding you again, just like he did 2017. He is still able to do. He is still able to do. But you know what happened back then? We just cast our nets and say, let's see what God does. You know what you need to do tonight? You need to cast out that net and say, God, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. And cast that net. Let's pray. Every head bowed as every eyes closed tonight. I wonder who would testify and say, Brother Alan, I'm saved. I'm saved. Here's my hand. I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I'm sure that I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my own personal savior. You may put your hands down. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that would say, Brother Allen, I am not saved. If it would be true, if you were to go over those scriptures with me like you did with that Austin and other young man, listen to me tonight. I don't know that I'm saved. Would you pray for me tonight? I want to be saved. Was that you tonight? Would you raise your hand and say, oh, God, that's me. I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ as my Savior. Anybody like that tonight? Here's my hand right now. Here's my hand. I need to be saved by the grace of God. Thank you, young man. I appreciate your honesty. I need to be saved by the grace of God. Pray for me. Thank you, young man. I need to be saved by the grace of God. See your little hand. Listen to me tonight. My prayer cannot save you. You need Jesus to do that. And he's willing. If you are willing to accept him, he will accept you. He will embrace you. He will make you his child. He'll give you a new life and a new future. Christian, tonight, I wonder if there's anybody here that say, I want to I cast that net again. I've been toiling, and maybe you've caught nothing, but I'm willing to cast it again. If that's you here tonight, I want you to do me a favor. I'll not ask you to ask your hand. I want you to stand up right where you are right now and make your way to this altar and say, that's me. I wanna, I've been toiling all night, but I've not caught anything. And by the grace of God, I'm going to keep casting my net upon the water and see what God does. Maybe it's a Sunday school class. Maybe it's a wayward loved one. Maybe it's your soul winning and you've not seen God use you to take a man and maybe change his life and God began to bring him in church and disciple him. I've not seen, listen, I know you've not seen it or you've not seen it in a while, but God is still able. He is still able. Maybe it's a loved one you've been praying for or a situation in your life that seems hopeless and helpless Can I tell you there is a God in heaven? Maybe you're here and the devil's gotten you. And he's sent you in a state of depression and despair. And it seems like a pit that you'll never get out of. Can I tell you tonight, God himself knows what it's like. Jesus is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. He knows what it's like to have the ones he loves the most forsake him and turn their back on him and despitefully use him. Listen, Jesus knows what you're going through tonight. And he still says, cast that net cast that net. Oh, he's going to fill your ship. He's going to fill those nets. He's going to do some things in your life. Well, brother, I don't know if we could ever see revival like that. Oh, the Bible says, listen, if you pray in faith, believing, you're going to have it. When was the last time you just said, Jesus, okay, if you told me to do it, I'm going to do it at thy word. I'm going to do it. There may be a young man that God is calling. Can I tell you that tonight, let me say this. If you raised your hand and you want to know for sure if you die, you go to heaven. Could you look at me for a moment? Would you let somebody take the word of God and show you how to be saved tonight? All right. Brother Kevin, you're right there. Anybody else? Say, but I I, listen, if you raise your hand, I'll be glad to connect you with somebody that will show you how to be saved. Oh, you could be sweetly born again tonight. God's still casting that net. Aren't you glad he's still saving people? Woo. Bless his holy name. Maybe there's a young man tonight or young lady that feels like God is calling you to ministry. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know about this. I don't know that. Listen to me tonight. It's not about what you know. It's about you. When you hear launch out, you launch out. And if that's you here tonight, maybe you feel like the Lord's calling you to ministry. I'm going to ask you to step out and I'm going to ask you to dedicate yourself to the Lord. It doesn't mean you're leaving next week. It just means I, God is calling me to launch out and I want to pray about it tonight. If that's you here tonight, step up and come to the old fashioned altar. God, I'm committing myself to you tonight. I'm launching out. you stand with me here tonight? All over the building. Would you stand with me? There's others that are praying all over this altar right now. all over the building. Would you mind the Lord tonight? Would you say at thy word? Okay. I want to see God do it. You know, I go into every revival meeting like that. I don't know what's going to happen, but the pressure is not on me. The pressure is on, listen, God's the one that called me to preach. God's the one that built this church. God's word is going to be preached. Now, if I don't preach the word, then yeah, it's back on me. But if I preach his word to his people under his anointing, something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. Something's going to happen. Because his word will not return unto him void. He, listen, his hooks don't come in empty. You say, I preached somebody didn't get saved. You have no idea what happened. Just mind the Lord. Maybe it's some other decision that God's leading you through or putting on your heart tonight. Would you surrender tonight? Would you, to- would you totally surrender to him tonight? Would you be like Peter and let him change your purpose and plans? Would you get back to the shore and forsake all There was a tradition amongst, I believe it was the Vikings, when they would go into battle and they would go into an island, what they would do is they would burn their ships so they could only go forward and not backwards. You know, the problem with us preachers, we keep every ship just in case. We've got backup plans, don't we? If this doesn't happen, listen, don't, don't, don't live in the if. God told you to launch out. You mind the Lord.